in a fire station in California, there's a remarkable light bulb. It was a 60 watt bulb when it was installed, but it only gives out four, four watts now. But the amazing thing is that apart from just a handful of times, this light bulb has been shining for over a hundred years. Have a look at this, please. A light bulb that's been burning brightly for more than 116 years. We kid you not. It's been burning uh, continuously since 1901. Modern fluorescent bulbs last about 20,000 hours. But this bulb at the Livermore Fire Department near San Jose, California, has been on for one million hours and counting. Think about that. It's been on through World War One and Two, the moon landing, and 21 presidents, starting with McKinley, right through Trump. Tom Bramall, a retired deputy fire chief, is in charge of looking after the bulb. You're not allowed to touch it, by the way. We don't even dust it off. So how is it possible that this bulb has been working for 41,666 days? For one thing, it was made in America, specifically in Shelby, Ohio. I suspect that this light bulb will continually burn another 100 years. This centennial light bulb is certainly amazing. Whether that's because it was made in America or not, I'll leave that to you to decide. But this morning, we're going to focus on a much more amazing light. One that provides a more powerful light. And one that continues to shine into people's lives after thousands of years. So we're going to read from John chapter 8. We're getting back into the Gospel of John after a little break of a few weeks. Uh, John chapter 8. I'm just following on from where we left off last time. So it's verse 12. I'm going to read down to verse 30. John chapter 8, verse 12. When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. The Pharisees challenging, challenged him. Here you are, appearing as your own witness. Your testimony is not valid. Jesus answered, even if I testify on my own behalf, my testimony is valid, for I know where I'm going, where I came from, and where I'm going. But you have no idea where I came from, or where I'm going. You judge by human standards. I pass judgment On no one. But if I do judge, my decisions are right. Because I am not alone. I stand with the Father who sent me. In your own law it is written that the testimony of two men is valid. I am the one who testifies for myself. My other witness is the Father who sent me. Then they asked him, where is your Father? You do not know me or my father, Jesus replied. If you knew me, you would know my father also. He spoke these words while teaching in the temple area near the place where the offerings were put. Yet no one seized him because his time had not yet come. Once more, Jesus said to them, I am going away and you will look for me and you will die in your sins. Where I go, you cannot come. This made the Jews ask, will he kill himself? Is that why he says, where I go, you cannot come? But he continued, you are from below, I am from above. You are of this world, I am not of this world. 
I told you that you would die in your sins if you do not believe that I am the one I claim to be. You will indeed die in your sins. Who are you? They asked. Just what I've been claiming all along, Jesus replied. I have much more to say in judgment of you, but he who sent me is reliable, and what I have heard from him I will tell the world. They did not understand that he was telling them about his father. So Jesus said, when you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am the one I claim to be, and that I do nothing on my own, but speak just what the Father has taught me. The one who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do what pleases him. Even as he spoke, many put their faith in him. So if you can think back about a month or so ago, you remember that in this passage, Jesus was in Jerusalem and he was there for the the Feast of the Tabernacles. That was a a week-long celebration when Israel slept in temporary shelters to celebrate God's goodness to them in the harvest that had just been gathered in as well as to their nation as they wandered in the desert for 40 years after the Exodus. And as we saw in John chapter 7, Jesus used one of the rituals of this festival in his teaching. Each day of that feast, the priest would collect water from the fountain of Gihon and followed by the people, he would take it to the temple and he'd pour it out at the altar. But Jesus stood and he declared, if anyone is thirsty, let let him come to me and drink. Jesus was inviting people to come to him because he alone could satisfy their ultimate thirst. He alone is that rock from which life-giving waters flow. And Jesus did something very similar here. At the end of the first day of this feast in the court of women in the temple, four 20 meter high gold lamps were lit with great rejoicing. Celebration with music and dancing continued throughout the night of this feast with the light of the temple illuminating the city. But on the last day of that feast, Jesus stood and declared, I am the light of the world. This was a a remarkable claim about both his identity and about his mission. As we thought about during a summer camp with the kids this year, Genesis 1 records the events of the beginnings of space and time in this world. When God said, let there be light, and there was light. So God is clearly the source of light in this world. He spoke and he dispelled the darkness and the emptiness with his light. The light God created was the beginning of all that we see around us. It was the beginning of life itself. But Jesus claimed, I am the light of the world. 
Jesus said he is the light. He is that source. On a clear night, <coughs> the, the moon just lights up our sky, doesn't it? But that's only because it reflects the light from the sun. But Jesus here wasn't claiming to be a reflection of the light of God. He was claiming to be the source of that light. The source of life. This is a clear claim to be God himself. And that is what is behind all of the seven I am sayings in the book of John and the seven I am statements of the book of John. We've already been looking at some of them as we've been working through this gospel. At the burning bush, when Moses asked God his name, God said this, I am who I am. This is what you're to say to the Israelites, I am has sent me to you. This is the name, this is where we get the name Yahweh. It declares that God is the I am. He is the the self-existent one. He is the one who doesn't depend on anyone else for his existence. He is eternal. He is never changing. And Jesus claimed to be that person in numerous occasions in this one passage. So look at verse 12. I am the light of the world. Then verse 24. If you do not believe that I am. You'll see in verse 24 that if you've got the NIV version or maybe a different version, you'll see that it's in little, little brackets. The one I claim to be has been inserted in to make it more sense in English. But that's not in the original. It just says, if you do not believe that I am. And then verse 28. Then you will know that I am. Jesus was claiming to be the I am. He's claiming to be more than a good man, more than just a prophet, more than just a Messiah. He's claiming to be God, equal with the Father. And Jesus made this clear in this passage in other ways too. So if you look at verse 23, he said this, You are from below, I am from above. You are of this world. I am not of this world. And those who heard Jesus, they in some way understood the significance of what Jesus was saying at this time. Because as we'll see in a couple of weeks when we work down through this chapter, the Jews picked up stones to stone him in response to what Jesus said because they recognized that he was claiming to be God. And in their mind, that meant he was guilty of blasphemy. So these, these words of Jesus here reveal his identity to us. But not just that. They also reveal his ministry. They reveal what Jesus came to do in our lives. The lamps that were lit as part of the, the Feast of Tabernacles were a reminder of how the Israelites were guided through the night in that desert, in the 40 years when they wandered around the desert after the exodus from Egypt, they were, they were guided by a pillar of fire. 
So Exodus chapter 13 verse 21 says, By day the Lord went ahead of them in a pillar of, fire, of, of cloud to guide them on their way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light, so they could travel by day or by night. This pillar of fire and cloud was a symbol of God's presence with them which guided them and showed them where they should go. And we too need light to show us where we should go so we can follow God's direction for our lives. So Psalm 119 says, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. It's God's word that as we read it, as we study it, as we let it sink into our hearts, it's God's word that guides us in our lives, that shines his light into our lives so that we can know how we should live. It reveals God's plan and purpose for each one of us. But here Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Jesus is that true light for for God's people. He came as the living word to shine his truth into our lives. More clearly than ever before. He came to guide our feet, to illuminate our path. To show us how to live, to lead us in the right way. So that means we do not need to stumble in the dark. We don't need to struggle to find our own way through life. Jesus will lead us. Psalm 32 says, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you and watch over you. That's why when Jesus called people to be his people, he called them to follow him. That's why we call ourselves followers of Jesus. We're not followers of a, of a rule book. We're not people who just kind of mentally assent to a catechism of, of belief systems. We're not just people who live a certain lifestyle. We follow a person. He is our light. He shines into our life. And we walk with him through life. But Jesus didn't just come to show us how to live. He also came to reveal to us God. This world is living in darkness, in the darkness of ignorance of God because of sin. This is what Paul says in Ephesians 4. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God. They just just do not know God. Their eyes are blinded. But Jesus came to open the eyes of the blind. He came to shine the light of God's truth into darkened hearts. So Jesus said here, if you knew me, you would know my Father also. If we look to Jesus, we see a revelation of God as the light of the world. Jesus came to reveal God to us. If you walk into a dark room, you have no real idea of what's in that room. 
You can only guess. You can only speculate. Maybe you can get some idea. Feel, feel your way around. Get some picture of what the room is like. But if you find the light switch and switch it on, and suddenly everything is revealed. And that's what Jesus has done. When he came into this world, the guesswork was over about God. We don't need to sit and speculate about who God is. We don't need to go to philosophy classes and try and work out what God might be like. Speculations can end. Because the light has come. And we can just look to Jesus. And we can know God. No one has ever seen God, it says in John chapter 1 verse 18. But God, the one and only, who is at the Father's side, has made him known. We don't live, we don't need to live in that area of speculation, of guesswork, of people's opinions. As if that matters. We can live in the reality of truth. Because Jesus came to shine his light into our life. But revealing God to us wasn't enough. We needed someone who could bring us into the light of the presence of God. So the pillar of fire and cloud wasn't only a symbol of God's guidance. It was also a symbol of God's protection. So on the banks of the, of the Red Sea, Pharaoh's army caught up with the people of Israel. And they looked trapped, trapped between the armies and the sea. But God protected them. It says the pillar of cloud also moved from in front of them and stood behind them, coming between the armies of Egypt and Israel. Throughout the night, the cloud brought darkness to one side and light to the other, so that neither went near the other all night long. That pillar of cloud and fire protected God's people all night until they crossed the Red Sea. Because they could enjoy the light of God's presence and the light of his protection. But of course we face a greater danger than the armies of Pharaoh, don't we? Jesus said here in verse 24, If you do not believe that I am, you will indeed die in your sins. That's the reality of all those who die outside of faith in Jesus. They will face judgment for their sin. It's a serious and sober reality. But if we've been brought into if, if, if faith in Jesus, if we have trusted in Him, then we've brought into the light of God's salvation. For He has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son He loves. The moment that we trusted in Jesus, He brought us out of the kingdom of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of light and love. He set us free from that domination of sin and fear and death and Satan and brought us into the reality of His presence and peace purpose and this is what Jesus accomplished through the cross in verse 28 in our passage we read when you have lifted up the son of man you, then you will know that I am 
And Jesus was lifted up on that cross for us. He was punished in our place. For three hours, he entered into our darkness so that we could experience his light. So if we're following Jesus this morning, if we have trusted in him, then we can experience the joy and security of his salvation. We can say with the psalmist, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? We'll never walk in the darkness of ignorance or slavery to sin and to death ever again. Instead, we can walk in the light of his direction and his revelation and his wonderful eternal salvation. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. It's it's a stunning offer. But tragically, so many people chose not to walk in the light Instead, they chose to stay in the dark. This is what the Pharisees did in this passage. They criticized what Jesus said. Here you are appearing as your own witness, they said. Your testimony is not valid. We we looked at that before in in John's Gospel. It probably goes back to what Jesus said before, John chapter 5. If I testify about myself, my testimony is not valid. That's because in in the law of Moses... One person's testimony was not enough to convict anybody. A matter must be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. But Jesus answered this in two ways. Why was his testimony valid? Well, first of all, he claimed that he didn't abide by the standards of others because he had a unique authority based on his unique understanding of himself. Even if I testify on my own behalf, my testimony is valid. For I know where I came from and where I'm going. Nobody else could say that about him. Nobody else knew the reality of who he was, where he was from and where he was going. So Jesus' testimony was valid. But there was a second reason why Jesus could confront that. He said, I am not alone. I stand with the Father who sent me. So there were two witnesses declaring who Jesus was. Both the Father and the Son. Two testimonies. But this raised the second issue. The Pharisees couldn't accept the truth of his testimony because they didn't know the Father. And they didn't know the Son. Throughout this passage, we see the shocking ignorance of these religious leaders. Remember, these are the people who were looked on as the people who were the closest people to God. The holy people of that day. The people who really knew the Bible. Who knew God. And yet in verse 19, they asked, Where is your father? And then in verse 25, they, say, they said, Who are you? In verse 19, Jesus said about them, You do not know me or my father. These people weren't just ignorant of the identity of Jesus. They were just ignorant of completely his mission as well. You have no idea where I came from or where I'm going. 
And later they, they themselves confirmed that. When Jesus told them that they couldn't go where he was going, they said, will he kill himself? Is this what he means? They just were completely ignorant of who Jesus is and what he came to do. They had no idea that Jesus came from heaven to earth to go to the cross, to pay for our sins, to bring us into a reality of a, of a relationship with him. They just had no idea. These were the religious experts of the day. And that ignorance was tragic. As Jesus said, if you do not believe that I am, you will indeed die in your sins. Isn't that tragic to think that these people were so close? They had the word of God. They were face to face with the Son of God. And yet because of the refusal to believe, they would be lost forever. And they didn't need to stay in the dark. Jesus said, if you knew me, you would know my Father also. Because Jesus came to provide that light, to draw them into that, re- that, that reality. To save them from their sins. But they refused. They refused to come into the light. Why? Well, Jesus already told us this in John chapter 3. Because men love darkness instead of light. Because their deeds were evil. They refused to come into the light because they don't want their evil deeds to be exposed. And we see that again and again. That people just refuse to come into the light of the presence of Christ. They refuse to just be laid bare before God. They're like Adam and Eve hiding in the garden. Trying to, trying to hide their sin. Rather than coming and, and admitting their sinfulness. And receiving God's salvation. But some people did step into the light. Our passage ends with these encouraging words. Even as he spoke, many put their faith in him. They didn't understand everything that Jesus had been teaching. They weren't more intelligent or better living than the Pharisees. But they were willing to accept that they had been living in the darkness. And they were willing to step into the light. And we can do the same today. If we humbly accept our need of the light of Jesus' direction and revelation and salvation, if we put our faith and trust in Him, then no matter who we are or where we're from or what we have or haven't done, we can come into the light of the presence of Jesus and we will never walk in darkness again. But just a last word for those who have already done this. If we have accepted Jesus as the light of our life, if we have put our trust in him, then we are called then to go and shine his light into this world. Ephesians chapter 5 and 8 says this, Live as children of light. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness. Guys, this is about just simply living out the reality of who we are in Christ. It's about listening to Christ, letting his light shine in our hearts, and letting us 
letting him direct us as we, as we live each day in order to please him. This is our calling. So today, if you say, I'm a follower of Jesus, let's live in the light. And let's have nothing to do with the darkness. And when we do this, we will shine his light into this dark world. Jesus said, let your light shine before men. That they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. Just as our lives have been transformed by coming into the light of Jesus, so God will transform other people's lives through that light shining out through us into this world. That little light bulb in California is amazing. Shining for a hundred years. But this is a much more important light in the world. Jesus is the one and only true source of light. The one who can dispel the darkness in our lives. So don't stay in the dark. Instead, step into the light and shine that light into this dark and dying world.